The Pat Kenny Show with MasterCard. Share an extraordinary experiences all over the world with priceless cities at priceless.com. This is News Talk. Pete the Vet, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, this is something that I've found quite hard to credit uh, when I was reading it earlier on. But scientists in Japan, are, are they genuinely trying to create a human-animal hybrid? And have they not seen any science fiction that would tell them this is a bad idea? I mean, the fly, for example, shows you that it's, it's, it's a fool's errand if you're trying to mix DNA <laughs> from one creature to another. Yeah, well, it's I guess it's the way that gene technology is going. They're looking at what magic can be done. And the current idea is that if you can create organs that are human organs inside the body of animals, then those organs can be transplanted into humans without being rejected because they're actually human organs. And what they've actually done, the strategy they're following, is to create an animal embryo that's had its genetic code edited so that it can no longer produce its own pancreas. So let's say the embryo is forming with no pancreas at all. Then what they do is they inject human stem cells into the embryo. And the the embryo kind of recognises that it needs to have a pancreas, but it hasn't got the genes to make its own pancreas, so it uses a human stem cells to make its pancreas. So then when the animal when the embryo develops to full term and is born, it's like an animal with a human pancreas, and then it can be transplanted. So that's what they're doing, and that's very new. Um, and mm. it fills people with horror because the risk is that not only do those human cells create a pancreas, but what if they also go into the little embryo's brain? So you get um, a creature being born that's got a half-human brain and a human pancreas and the rest of it being the animal. I mean, it's all very weird, isn't it? And, yes, and I'm guessing that uh, to remove said same pancreas and put it into a human, uh, the animal won't come out of that well. Oh, absolutely not. And that, that then is reminiscent of that, that movie Never Let Me Go, um, by that was 2010, after the novel by Kazuo Ishiguro, where there are children who are destined to become organ donors, and they die, or what they call it in the movie, is they complete in early adulthood. In other words, these children are created just to provide organs for somebody else. Um, so it's the same idea as that. It's a bit creepy, and, you know, um, it's definitely humans playing God, that's for sure. Mm. Pete, it's very dark this week. We normally talk about scabies <laughs> on the back of a cat's ear. I mean, this is Luke, to a whole, it's whole Luke, new level. It's Luke O'Neill territory, really. But I, <laughs> I do find it fascinating. And, I mean, there's lots of good that can be done by stem cells and gene editing and all that sort of stuff. But it does stray into very dodgy ethical areas, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, lots of questions have come in. Let's go to them. Um, Elaine asks us a question. Uh, where's Elaine's question? Oh, I've lost it. But we'll come back to that. Um, uh, Olivia says, we've 17 week old kittens, their siblings from the DSPCA were wondering uh, if they should have the light on or off during the night. Uh, They sleep in our reasonably big utility but it has a bright fluorescent light. Uh, Do they need it on or are they better off with no light? (laughs) Well, I that's a good I question. imagine they're, they're blithely indifferent, uh, I'd imagine. Um, well, I think generally what cats do when they sleep is they curl up and tuck their heads into their um, back legs, and so they block out the night naturally. I, I think we've all seen cats sleeping in the daytime, and um, I'd imagine that they're quite happy either way. They have very good night vision anyway. I would say to you, my conclusion would be you don't need to leave the light on, okay? You can turn the light off and the cats will be happy. Okay, very good. I found Elaine's question. My dog is called Bruce. 
Good afternoon, Bruce. Uh, Bruce eats a lot of grass, an awful lot of grass, all the time. And he chips, and is it going to hurt him? Um, as long as the, the grass hasn't been sprayed with weed killer, then it's not going to hurt him at all. And, and the other thing is, some dogs eat so much grass that they actually make themselves sick. So as long as he's not sicking up the grass after he's eaten it, then a bit of grazing on grass causes no harm whatsoever. Dogs like doing it. We don't really know why they do. Um, it's just something they enjoy. And... Um, I, I, it, it, as long as it's not associated with problems, visible problems that you can see, then I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, I, well, look, we, we talked last week about dogs eating their own poo, which which they want to do as well. I mean, they'd pretty much eat anything, won't they? They're voracious appetites often, and they, they don't stop and think. They just eat whatever, whatever appears in front of them that looks reasonably as if it can be taken to their mouth and swallowed. They'll do it. OK, this this text is signed brilliantly. Aidan... I'm Port Leash. So, Port Leash, apparently you have been taken over by a man <laughs> called Aiden. I hope you enjoy your new overlord and that he's very kind and generous. But he has a question for you. Uh, I'd like to hear Pete's advice on whether or not it's advisable to give bones to dogs, except for chicken bones. I've been given very conflicting views on the issue. And now that he's in charge, and indeed is Port Leash himself, uh, Aiden uh, needs to spread the word amongst his subjects. So, bones for dogs, good or bad? Well, um, there are strongly opposing views on this, and so I try to sit on the fence, which isn't always very helpful, but um, I'll tell you what I know. First of all, dogs love bones, and they really enjoy chewing them, and they can be very good for their dental health. That's on the one side of it. On the other side of it, vets do see problems associated with dogs eating bones. In particular, they see broken teeth. Literally, the, the teeth snap uh, and you end up with exposed root canals that are very painful. So that's one Ouch. problem that vets see. We see bones stuck in the gullet and the esophagus. We see bones stuck in the stomach, bones stuck in the intestines. And finally, bones stuck in the back passage where the little bits of bone mass together and cause concrete-like chunks, which are very, very hard to fix. So oh, that, be- that will go... Oh, my God, yeah, that sounds so, painful. Yeah, so because vets see these problems, we look at the benefits that dogs like eating bones and that they're good for their teeth, and we say, well, you can use other things that dogs like eating um, that don't damage the teeth, that keep the teeth clean, that also don't get stuck in these various different places. And so, therefore, vets tend to say, don't give bones, give other products that have been manufactured to be safe for dogs to to, to enjoy eating and to be good for their dental health. So that's really the conclusion, I guess. Bones are cheaper, though. (laughs) (laughs) The bones are the detritus of the butcher, so therefore they're cheaper than the other yolk. It's not all about money, Jonathan. (laughs) <laughs> and also, it's very expensive if your dog gets a bone stuck inside it and needs to go to I the vet. I would imagine that, yeah, and hurting as well. By all Indeed. Accounts. And, and one, one last one. Um, mm-hmm. My German Shepherd is 11, constantly weeing herself. Anything we can do to help? Absolutely, 100% definitely. There's lots of different causes for incontinence. Many of them can be treated. So what you need to do is go to your vet with a urine sample. So the urine sample can be tested to see if there's any sign of infection or kidney failure or anything like that. And if it's just a sphincter that's got a bit loose with age, which does happen, then there's a drop that can be given every day into the dog's food that will fix it. So okay, it's definitely a, a treatable problem. Mm-hmm. How, how do you collect wee from a dog? Really simple. Just get uh, All you do is you get a little plate or a little Tupperware or something, and you 
pop it under the dog at the crucial moment when you're out for a walk with your dog. And the thing is, you don't need very much. A teaspoonful of urine is loads for the vet to test. So Absolutely. you don't need a big quantity. I thought you were going to finish off with a teaspoonful of urine helps the medicine <laughs> go down. But it's a different conversation. <laughs> um, Pete the vet, an absolute pleasure. We will talk to you next week.